Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but we're starting a series called Sex Ed today. So on the count of three, can everybody just say sex? One, two, three. All right, now we got that out of the way, okay? Now we got it all out of the way. It's just good to say it and be done with it. Um, I've noticed something. Um, Have you noticed in our culture how easily you can be misunderstood? Have you ever been misunderstood? Like you said one thing, they heard another, and it turned into this big fight, big riff, and you're like, well, that's not what I ever said at all. Um, we, We like get so misunderstood, right? So misunderstood. And in our culture, it's one thing to be misunderstood. People are quick to misunderstand. They're also quick to sue right, when they misunderstand. They're, they're quick to sue when they misunderstand. So that leads to a culture of disclaimers. I brought a, f- a few to show, just some disclaimers. Um, this is an actual picture of a banner in Ikea, and it says, not actual size. Like, I, this morning, Parker saw that, and he was like, Dad, is it possible for somebody to be that stupid? And I'm like, dude, how long have you been living, right? Come on, it's possible. Um, we got another one. The pastor and congregation are not responsible for anyone that handles the serpents and gets bit. If you get bit, the church will stand by you and pray with you. And the same goes with drinking the poison. Disclaimer. So I think we have, we have one more. This is a cedar line cabinet. I think this is at Sam's. Look at where the arrow is pointing. Not a Narnia gateway. <laughs> like, who, who bought this? returned it and said, dude, I keep walking in it and coming out. I'm not getting to Narnia. <laughs> Weird. Uh, here's a, a few more that um, I don't have pictures of, but you, you may have seen these on some products. Baby strollers. This is really pertinent because we have a lot of, of young families that are having kids. So baby strollers, if you buy a stroller, you look at it, you will see these words. Remove child before folding. That's it's good, to, good. Good tip there, right? Good tip. Now, if you've had children for a very long time, you might actually want to leave. Now, let's just move on. Um, on scooters, you know, scooters are things like, you know, you hold the handle, you jump on them, and you push them, and then you go take off. On scooters, you'll find this disclaimer, this product moves when used. It, wheels, wheels are an indication of that, right? But just to make sure. Um, and iron, and iron. This disclaimer is on irons. Never iron clothes while they are being worn. Like, like, I don't think anybody's ever going to iron their own shirt while they're wearing it, but I know, I know how marriages can go, and like, if you're kind of in a heated thing, like, I can see some of you sneaking up behind your spouse going, I'm just trying to get the, the wrinkle out, you know, <laughs> don't, not while they're wearing it. Um, a hairdryer, never use hairdryer while sleeping. I don't know how you would even do that, but don't do it. Um, what, this is one of my favorites. On the bottle of drain cleaner, so the next time you're looking at drain cleaner, just see if this is on there. On the bottle it says, if you do not understand or cannot read all directions, cautions, and warnings, do not use this product. How, how would you be able to read that if you cannot read? Like, my, my biggest pet peeve, uh, you remember Hooked on Phonics? Remember that? Um, it was so big. And what was their big jingle, right? Like they would be on the radio and they would say this. This is Hooked on Phonics. People that can't read, Right? For, for more information, call A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's like, what? what okay, whatever. Um, then this is the last one. On a digital thermometer, if you have one of those, just see if you can find this warning. It says this. Once used rectally, the thermometer should not be used orally. <laughs> good to know, right? Good to know. Just good to know that. Um, so while we're talking about disclaimers, we thought that this, this is the first week of this series called Sex Ed. Um, by the way, I know before we got started with the disclaimers, you can see that up there. Um, if you want to text 
um, anytime during this, just use the hashtag sex ed. Please capitalize the E, because if you don't, it looks like sexed. We get that, and so people will be like, I don't know what they're doing to gathering this month, but they're all sexed, right? You know, it's just sex ed is what we're looking for. Capitalize that E. Um, Chaney posting, she's um, one, of our, one of the young ladies here at the church. She has put together 31 days worth of devotions. They are fantastic. Um, I got to preview them as I was putting them in. And so the way they're delivered is by text or email. makes it really, really simple. And the way to get signed up, if you want to do it by text, is text that keyword, sex ed. It looks like sex, but it's sex ed. Text sex, sex ed to 72717. If you'd rather have email instead of text, then you can um, go on our Facebook page. There's a link there. You can click it. It'll take you to a page where you put your email address in, hit submit. Done deal. You don't have to think about it again. Every day for, the next, for this whole month, you'll get, you'll get sent text or email devotions. They started on Thursday the 1st. Um, there's still time for you to catch up, and it's worth catching up. They're really, really good. So um, let me do this. Let me just share a couple. We don't want to call them disclaimers. Um, we're going to call them, because disclaimers, that's boring, isn't it? It's like lawyer talk. So we're going to call these, this little section of the sermon is called Things We Need to Say, Things That Need to Be Said Before We Say Anything Else. So Things That Need to Be Said before we say anything else, and while I'm saying them, if you want to turn to Genesis, that's the first book in the Bible. won't take you long to get there. Um, we're going to be in chapter 2 and chapter 19. So things that need to be said before we say anything else. It's not because we're afraid of being sued. This is not like lawyers speak. This is just making sure we're all on the same page, starting from the same place. Foundational things that you just need to know, okay, as we move forward through this month, talking about sex ed and about just sexuality from God's perspective. Um, I'm not going to say it really fast because I can't. We, we should have gotten Tyler to do that. Tyler's an auctioneer. That would have been awesome. Um, but like, you ever hear the disclaimers at the end and you're like, I don't even know what they said. They probably said kill somebody. <laughs> you don't even know what they said. But I'm going to say them slow because these are important. I want to make sure that you get them. We're going to take, take some time here before we even get into the Bible just to make sure you know where we're coming from. First, right up front, I need you to know this. For me, this is a hard series. Okay, let me tell you why. It's not a hard series because I'm scared. I'm not. It's not a hard series because I'm embarrassed. I'm not. Okay? I'll, I'm, I mean, my wife's praying for me like, please, God, give Paul a filter, right? Like, give him a filter for this month, right? Um, I'll say anything, anytime, right? But here's what scares me about this, this, this message, this series. It's the culture that we live in. It's so easy for people to write you off as you know, um, as close-minded, as bigoted, as whatever label they want to give you. It's so easy. So I, what I know is this, the, the, the potential, maybe not so much in here with you, but the potential of people hearing the messages online, um, listening to the podcast. You know, our messages get played like in like 40 to 50 countries around the world. It's crazy how that works. Um, but just the potential of people to hear this and write us off. I know what that means is it means no conversation in the future. You know, and, and you know this about me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not fiery. I'm just like, I want to have a conversation. We want to have a conversation about God's plan for sexuality. And I know the minute we say that, even that term, the possibility of people just writing us off is real. And that just breaks my heart, you know. So this month, you know, I, I, I hope you pray for me all the time. But this month, when you think about me, we just pray for me. Like, man, God, just, we don't want to lose po potential future conversations over this. Um, here, second. And this is, maybe you've been in church all your life, you can, you can relate to this. I think it's a shame that most churches talk about sexuality in a way that leads to shame. So our hope is that we will talk about sexuality in a way that leads to hope. That's our prayer. It's also, it's a sensitive subject. I mean, there's just no way around. Some of you are going to be awkward. 
Um, it made me think about this. This is so funny. How ironic is it that we will, the collective we, right, as a church, we will, as Christians, we'll put up with sexual innuendos in a sitcom, in music, in a movie, and we're okay with it, but say it in church and we get squirmy. But this is where we should talk about it the most because this is where we have God's perspective on it. So let me just say this to all of you squirmers. You know who you are. My heart is, is for the next four weeks to be way more pastoral than preacher. Okay, let me explain what I mean by, by preacher. Um, in our, especially in the southern, southern culture, preacher is like the guy that gets up on a soapbox and gets a red face and points his long bony finger at you and tells you how wrong you are. Um, and he usually does it with a lot of volume. I don't think I'm a good preacher anyway. I think I'm much more of a teacher, communicator, whatever. But in this series, I really want to be pastoral. And here's why. Because depending on what your, your life experience is, depending on even what your belief system is, you could be in this for four weeks and never once agree with what I say. And my heart is that you would still be here. It's that we would have a conversation that includes as many people in the conversation, even when the subject of the conversation makes people feel excluded. Does that make sense? So that's my heart. I just want to be way more pastoral. I can, I can promise you this. You will not hear me do the red face soapboxing at all. But here's what you will hear. It's impossible to teach for one month on sexuality and at some point me not say a buzzword, a catchphrase that has the potential to be like a shame bomb in your life, right? It's funny how most of our regrets in our lives deal, deal with sexuality. Most of them deal with bad choices in this area. It's just no way I can teach on this and me at some point say a word, a phrase, and you go, oh, snap, he's talking right at me, or I can't believe he said that. I mean, it just, these are loaded words, okay? These are loaded words. So I thought what I would do is just say them now. Um, <laughs> I'll just say all of them now that I can think of. There's probably more, but here's the ones I thought of. At some point, you may hear this, and I'm going to give you a verse to kind of ho hopefully give you some hope. Adultery, divorce. I mean, like, that's 50% of our country, right? So adultery, divorce, cohabitation, which is just a big fancy word for living together without being married. Homosexuality, porn, single parents, singleness, same-sex attraction. These are all terms that I, I might at some point say. And, you know, like if you look at those terms, the truth about lust, let's throw lust in there. There's something for everybody, right? Like somehow in that word, like you might go, ooh, that one's like, I'd never do that. <laughs> well, come back week three, we'll talk, right? <laughs> but, but there might be another one like, ooh, that's, yeah, that was mine. So here's what you need to know. Those are, those words, man, they're real-life terms, that we, we, we encounter them every day, and they are loaded with a potential for shame. And here's what you need to hear, and, and look, let's go political, right? Read my lips. Shame is not from God. Psalm 3.3 says this. says that he is a shield around us, which means he offers us protection. And in that protection, it says that he is the lifter of our head. And we're going to talk about some, some sensitive things. And almost all of us, if we've lived long enough, can point back to bad choices that we made. And even the stuff we learned, well, like, man, if I'd have known that then, I wouldn't have made that choice. And it's so easy to feel the shame of that. God is the lift of our heads. This is really important, okay? Shame drops our head. God lifts our head. You know, when, you, parents, you know when your kids feel shamed. What did you do, Johnny? That's what shame does. But God is the lifter 
of our head. Um, just, just a couple more. Let me tell you the goal. The goal of this series is not, listen closely, is not to fix a broken world. It's to heal a broken church. That's the goal. So we, we were so, man, churches, um, we, we deflect so well, don't we? Oh, this is going to be so good. Like this is when Paul's going to talk about all those rotten heathens. And he's going to talk about all oh, how bad the culture is. And I'm, that's not the goal. The goal is not to take a we thing and make it a they thing, right? This is a series about the church more than it's about the culture. So here's four reasons why we're not doing this series. Four, four reasons why we, like, hey, we should do a series on sex. Here's four reasons why we, didn't, why we didn't do it. One, to tell a sinful world how bad they are. To make church people feel better about themselves. To get a bunch of amens from Christians. And to explain the anatomy of sex. I'm pretty sure you all know how this works. I especially want you here. Now, we're not an amening church. I'm cool if you say amen. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I'm just not the preacher that looks for the empty, shallow, amen, preacher, when you're not going to go live it, okay? And, and I, I've been in churches where you just, it's like, it's like meat to a lion, you know? It's like throw out a certain buzzword, and all the Christians are like, that's right, preach it, preacher. It's like, that's not what this is about. I'm not preaching to get an amen, okay? Here's why we're doing this. Three reasons. One, God told us to. That's, I, that's not... Like, church talk, that's legit. Like, at the end of last year, we said to God, I'm praying, like, God, what do we need to do in 2015? He said, of all the things you do, you got to talk about two things, the Holy Spirit and sexuality. So we did Holy Spirit early on, and I'm, I'm a wuss, so I waited longer on sexuality. But here we are. Um, number two, our sexuality cannot be understood apart from our spirituality. Okay, we, we live in a culture that wants to divide this and say sex is just this, and it doesn't affect this. But sex is understood our sexuality is understood in light of our spirituality. And in three, we'll talk about this more as we end today, but we live in a time when, and I believe this, the church has a unique opportunity to show unexpected grace in an uncomfortable issue. And I think that's huge for us. So let me give you the win. Um, I'm all about wins. So I want to make sure you know what the win is. It's not that I'm going to answer or address all the hot topics because there's not time. I've got four weeks, about 30 minutes each Sunday. Right now you're looking at your watch going, you better get to point one quick, right? I'm getting there. Um, but I've got two hours with you from the platform. Now we've got more time in community group for you to talk, kind of hammer this stuff out and talk and chew on it and apply it. But I've got two hours. There's not enough time to address all the issues. So that's not the goal. The goal is not that. Here's the win. And we've been praying this for months. We've been praying that through this series, we would see an increase in personal holiness that would lead to a decrease in public hypocrisy. That's the win. Okay, so if God would just give us a commitment to our own, our own lives, I want to be more personally holy in this area, then that will lead to a decrease of culture looking at the church going, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. And you know right now, you've asked people to come to the church, and they've said, no, I don't go to church, it's full of hypocrites. That's, that's why this is the goal, to increase personal holiness that leads to a decrease in public hypocrisy. Um, let me just read a real quick passage. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you quickly. Um, Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and he's writing to a church that lives in a sexually immoral city. Okay, it's in Corinth. I mean, it's just pagan. I mean, there's all kinds of sexual immorality. Like, they're, they're going to church and having sex, and, and, and they went in front of idols. It's just craziness, right? And so the church is really inf infected with all this, affected by it. Like, they don't know what to do. And so Paul writes this. It's really important for us to hear. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, he says, I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And most of us in church go, check. 
Because I'm in Christian aerobics. I go to a church league. I ain't going to be around no sexually immoral people. Right? Check. But, he, but listen to what Paul says. Listen to what Paul, I go to a Christian college. And listen to what Paul says. He says, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. Paul says, look, don't be around sexually immoral people. And hello, I'm not talking about them because they're everywhere because you live in this world. Who is he talking about? He says, I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother. This is about in the church, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. He says this, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are we not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. So I want to make sure you understand from the very beginning, this is not about them, right? Them, whoever them is. This is about us. This is about the church. Understanding from the perspective of God what the purpose of sex is. So if you're here, like, one, I don't like church. Two, I'm not sure about God. Three, I just came because it said sex. Thought there might be free samples, right? <laughs> no, not going to happen, right? That's why you're here, and it's like, look, here's what I want you to know. I'm so glad you're here. Man, I, I hope you hang out for four weeks with us. I hope you stay longer than that. But this isn't even about you. This is like, you get to sit here. If you don't love Jesus, you get to sit here for four weeks and watch Christians squirm. How awesome is that? Right? Like, this is the month to come if you don't love Jesus. Just watch us go, ooh, ooh, ah. Like, watch our butts get tight. The whole deal will be fun. Right? Like, when your butt starts eating the chair, that's fun stuff, right? It's like, ooh, So here we go. Uh, let's talk about the purpose of sex. Uh, the purpose of sex you, I think you're going to see it on the screen behind me, is, is intimacy, and more specifically, intimacy in marriage. Um, uh, let me, I, I got to go quick. Um, think about this. The world wants to say that sex is just physical, right? So it's just, just hey, hook up, friends with benefits, the whole deal, it's just sex. But think about this. If sex was just physical, prostitution would be the world's most popular job. But prostitutes don't want to be prostitutes. They want to get out of prostitution. We, 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 do, we do fundraise, we, we raise awareness to, to rescue people from sex trafficking. But if it was just physical, everybody would want to get into that profession. But it's not. It's, it's more than that. It's, it involves all of who we are. And, and I know right up front you're going to be like, look, you're a preacher. You're supposed to say that stuff, right? So let me just tell you some stuff I learned as, as I was prepping for this series. Fascinating book. I don't know if you like to read or not, but there's a book called Hooked. It's not about... The Disney character, right? It's called Hooked, and it's a, it's a study from a scientific standpoint done by medical professionals, people that have lots of letters after their name. None of them are preachers. It's not a Christian book. It's just a scientific book, and it was done to study the effect of casual sex on specifically adolescents, but also on adults. So a book called Hooked, to talk about what, how, how does casual sex affect us? And, and here's some of the things that, that they said, these are quotes, this is a long quote, just listen closely, abstinence culminating in a lifelong committed relationship has long been perceived as a religious position rather than a suggested course of action based on scientific reality. I know I've just lost a lot of you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying this, forever when people said don't have sex, they would go, well, that's what the church says. But now he's a scientist, and he's saying now there's scientific evidence that maybe what we've been saying is right. So he continues and he says this, 
But now with the aid of modern neuroscience and a wealth of research, it is evident that humans are the healthiest and happiest when they engage in sex with only one who is their mate for a lifetime. Sounds like a wedding vow. That's what science is saying. How does science get to that conclusion? So I, want to do, like, I don't want to go full on biology with you, but I want to give you a little bit, okay? So there's these two things, these two chemicals. One is called oxytocin. And the other is called vasopressin. If you are a female in the room, you have oxytocin. And if you are a male in the room, you have vasopressin, right? So I'm just impressed I'm saying these words, but it's fantastic. Here's how this works, okay? These are like bonding agents that your body already has. So when you are involved in intimate touch, romantic touch, sexual touch, when you're involved closely with another person, your brain signals your body to release chemicals. If you're a female, it releases oxytocin. If you're a male, it releases vasopressin. This is not in the Bible. This is science, okay? And you know what that does? It's a bonding agent, and it bonds you to the people that you're experiencing that with. So it's like, it's like super glue, right? It's like super glue that's really, really sticky, and so when you bond with somebody... And it's, it's so powerful. I, I was telling one of you this. Do you know females, just a 20-second hug is all it takes. Like, you guys are squirting oxytocin everywhere. 20-second <laughs> hugs, like squirt, squirt, squirt. You know, it's like 20-second hug. So a 20-second embrace with, with a person is enough for a female's body, her brain, to go, whoa, 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 this is serious. Squirt out some oxytocin. And it's a bonding agent that bonds her to the person she's hugging for 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Listen, what you're going to hear as we go through this, we give that stuff away all the time. We don't even think about how our bodies are working, how our bodies are processing that. It's, it's a bonding agent. And, and the, the author said this, the inability to bond after multiple sex encounters is almost like tape that loses its stickiness after being applied and removed multiple times. Now, take duct tape, some duct tape today, and just sneak up behind somebody with a really hairy arm and stick it on there. And then rip it off, right? And then stick it somewhere else and rip it off and stick it and rip it and stick it. And rip. It doesn't take too long before there's just no sticky anymore. That we were created like, to bond like that. In the book, <laughs> the authors, they're so cute, they're like, we don't really know, I think the quote was, no one really knows why the body functions this way. And I'm reading, I'm go. I'm like, I'm just an idiot from Almaro, but ding, 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 if I don't know, baby. God made us that way. It's all back in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Let's turn it real quick. Genesis chapter 2. God made us to bond like that. It says in, in verse 20, Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, it says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Just backstory real quick. It means this, that he, all the animals, all the animals on the earth, God said, look, name them all. And while you're naming them, look for somebody like an animal, whoever, like anteater, horse, something, a cat, dog, somebody that can be your, like your help, your helper, your soulmate. And not surprisingly, Adam did not find a soulmate among the animals. Isn't that good? Like, I know we love our pets, but come on, there's a limit, right? And so, so verse 21 says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Interesting. We don't have time to go into it now. We'll, we'll touch on in, in weeks to come. But when we can't find a soulmate, we go searching. When Adam couldn't find a soulmate, God gave him one. 
Interesting. Let's just keep going. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. That one flesh is what I want you to really see there. Like, this is how God made us. He made it so when Adam and Eve embraced for 21 seconds, Eve was like squirting oxytocin, and he's got vasopressin. It's all going crazy, and it's like super glue. That's just a hug. And then you throw on top of that sexual encounter. It's like there's chemicals everywhere, even closer. So it's not just that the purpose of sex is intimacy, because it is. Like, God wants us to be intimate. We want intimacy. And so the danger of sex, we'll get into that in weeks to come, the danger of sex outside of that lifelong committed relationship is, man, you're bonding with people all over the place. You're losing your sticky, and it's such a powerful agent that God said it needs to be done in marriage. The purpose of sex is intimacy in marriage. Like how many of you built a fire this past week because it was cold? Anybody have a fire? Oh, I got hot-blooded people here. Okay, so you built a fire. I'm guessing you built it in a fireplace or maybe a fire pit. That's more manly, right? Fire pit. So, yeah, now you're on board. So watch this. Track with me, okay? So a fire is good for warming us up. When you're cold, you build a fire, you sit next to it. If you put your back to it, you're there for what? A minute, and you're like moving away because your back is on fire, right? And then you go away, you get some ice cream, come back and eat the ice cream in front of the fire, right? It's good for warming us up. Well, a fire in a fireplace or a fire pit is going to warm you up, and it's also in the right place. Take that fire out of the fireplace, out of the fire pit, and put it in the middle of your den, just on the floor, not good, am I right? But you know, you know what that fire can still do? Warm you. It can, still, it can still, fun, it still functions. It's got a purpose. It's just in the wrong place. Like you're intimate with somebody. You're, you have sexual relations with somebody outside of marriage. It's still going to bond you. You're still going to feel some kind of intimacy, but it's in the wrong place. So it's kind of like this. Sex outside of these limits that God has, has ordained is like making s'mores on a fire while it burns your house down. S'mores are going to taste good. But you're losing your house. That's how sex is outside of the way that God ordained it. The purpose of sex is intimacy in marriage. So we, the last thing I want to ask today is, like, what does it look like when believers live their lives according to that purpose? Or, or maybe we should rephrase it. What does it look like when they don't? Like if, we, if God's purpose for sex is intimacy in marriage, and as believers in Jesus we say, that's so old-fashioned, I'm just going to do it with whoever I want to. I'm just, I'm just going to keep I'm oxytocin all over the place, vasopressin everywhere, chemical explosion all over the place. What's that look like? Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19. There's this really weird story in the book of, in the book of um, Genesis chapter 19. You've probably heard of Sodom and Gomorrah. So Sodom is getting ready to be like just totally destroyed by God because it's so wicked. It's so messed up. It's so jacked up. But there's a man named Lot. And so Abraham knows Lot and is kind of pleading with God like, will you please at least save Lot? So God sends these, these angels to go tell Lot to get out of Sodom because it's getting ready to be destroyed. And so uh, we won't read the whole thing, but the two angels show up. They go into, into um, Lot's house, and as Lot's in the house, I want you to notice, first of all, like Lot's not a righteous man, okay? He's in the house, and he hears, 
and he opens the door and his neighbors say, we saw two men come in here, we want to have sex with them. I'm just like a little life, life, life tip for you. If that's your neighborhood, move. Probably need to move, right? Like if you open the door and the first, first thing your neighbors are saying is like, bring them out, we want to have sex. Like, okay, for sale sign in the house. Maybe I'm moving, right? Not, not a good place to be. But, but listen, Lot, he's so jacked up. He's so affected by the culture that he didn't say, whoa, 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 they're guests of mine. You're not having sex with them. What he said was, you're, no, no, you're not having sex with them, but I got two virgin daughters here. Do whatever you want. It's in the Bible. It's right there. God didn't hide it. Like he offers them his virgin daughters instead of to, to protect these men. It's like, what? Listen, Lot is so messed up. He's so in the culture. He's so not different from the culture that a few verses later we see this. The angel tells him, go, go to your sons-in-laws, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you, and tell them to get out of here. So verse 14 says this. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. They know him well. And he said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. And look at the next sentence. This is what I want you to catch today. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. What does it look like when God has ordained it that sex is so powerful and so purposeful that his purpose for it is intimacy between a husband and a wife for life in marriage when the, when the church, and I don't expect the world to believe that because they're not following Jesus, but we're following Jesus. And when we hear that and we say, screw it, I'll do whatever I want, what does that look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like God saying to us, tell the world that there's danger coming and they've got to do something different. And when we speak that message, we have zero credibility. His future sons-in-law died. They didn't leave because he was not believable. His message wasn't believable. It was true, but it wasn't believable. Like Lot's not winning Father of the Year awards. He's not winning Evangelist of the Year awards. Even in verse 16, it says, like, they had to, when he hesitated, he hesitated to leave. They had to grab, they tried to grab him. And the wife and the daughters, like this big, huge train, pulling their arms, getting them out of the city. I feel like God just said this, like, man, if we hesitate, if we hesitate as believers to really embrace the purpose of sex, we lose all credibility in the world. But, but what if we did the opposite? What if instead of hesitating to flee, what if we did what Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.22, 2, 2, Second Timothy 2.22, he writes to Timothy, and he says this, Flee unrighteousness. Flee the desires of youth and pursue righteousness. What if instead of hesitating to live the purpose of God, we ran towards the purpose of God? What would happen then? We would have authenticity in culture. That's the result. When we live that purpose, we have authenticity in culture. When I was... Um, God, we, we, need, we need to have this message of authenticity. When I was in high school, I got saved. I, I was raised in church, and, um, you know, that doesn't mean you know Jesus. So I'm raised in church. I go to church every Sunday. I don't know Jesus. I went to youth camp. That's usually where you meet Jesus. So I went to youth camp. I met Jesus. My life got totally changed. I came back to Albemarle, and, and the first stop I made when I got back from youth camp was my girlfriend's house. And, and I went to tell her what Jesus had done in my life and how he had changed me. And, and it was fantastic. And it was, you know, I just wanted her to know. And so, <laughs> you know, I don't know how this happens, but in the middle of telling her about how much Jesus was changing my life, we were doing things that we used to do. <laughs> how does that work? Bonding. 
And, and you know what I remember? Like it's, it haunts me, it marks me, is in the middle of that, I remember when she looked at me and she said these words. I can still hear them. She said, I thought Christians didn't do that. Credibility is everything. And, and if we're honest, some of us in this series, we're, we're so not focused on what God's saying to us today because just, just even today, just hearing how much more elevated the purpose of sex is, like we have cheapened it. We have cheapened it so much. We have taken it into one night stands. The crazy thing about that book, Hooked, is he says this, like just one encounter, just one encounter is all it takes to bond. And then we wonder why we are looking at a generation as, as growing up and can't stay committed. It's because they got no sticky left. And if you're like me, I can look back on my past. I can see so many bad choices I made. And, and so here we are. What do we do with that? And I don't know what you would have done in, in my situation when my girlfriend said that to me. It's like, that kills the mood, right? It's like, I, I was like, uh, God, you're right. I, I, what am I doing? I mean, it's just like it brought me to my senses. And I, I apologized. I left. We broke up. I mean, like, that, that was... I'd like to say that Jesus at the altar was enough, but it was my girlfriend, like, we're, we're kissing and doing stuff, and that was, that was, that's what did it. And it changed me. Because I suddenly saw, like, I have no credibility. She wouldn't even believe my message. So what do we do with that? Well, today, before we even take the next two or three Sundays, before we talk about the problem of sex, the perversion of sex, before we even get to the purification at the end and how God can redeem things, I mean, I, you need to know this. There's a thing called repentance. We probably should do it more. There's many of us in here right now that we're so, right now, all we can see is bad choices. You need to know this as we go through this series. I put this on Facebook earlier this morning. It's possible that your biggest regrets could be, could be the fuel for the revival that we've never seen before. Just, just to give God those regrets. Like I, I messed it up. But I want to be pure. I want to be different. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the last verse, and then we're going to wrap it up. How hungry is the world for change? There's a a group called um, the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy. You know, they they did a survey. They asked teenagers this question, should high school students be taught a strong, abstinent message? 93% of teenagers said yes. This isn't from the 60s before we couldn't say abstinent, right? This is like today. We live in a culture that's, they might not know Jesus, but they know that what they're doing is jacked up, it's not working. They know that what they have is fragments of themselves from too many one-night stands. They know that the real hook and hookup is that they're trapped. And they're like, teach us something better. We live in that, this is a society we live in. We live in a culture where like we, we can actually speak the message of truth. And I want you as a church, I want me as a, I want us to be in a place where when we, we open our mouth and speak, they'll listen to us. This is not about how bad they are. It's about how jacked up we've met, we made the message. Because we've not lived an authentic life. Jesus is talking to people at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he says this, the most misquoted verse in the entire Bible, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Let me tell you that, that's the verse that everybody wants to use all the time. Don't judge me, man. Don't judge me. Jesus said you can't judge. That's not what he said. Let's keep reading, okay? 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So obviously, there's a way to make judgment calls. Because Jesus said how we judge is how we'll be judged. And I want you to know, I'm not scared of that. Like over the next three weeks, I'm going to make some judgment calls. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to read you what the Bible says. But there'll be judgment calls. But you know what that says to me? Like if we're going to judge, how do you want to be judged? I want to be judged with like grace, grace, grace. Don't you? Like just throw buckets of grace on me while you're judging me, please. And so if that's how I want to be judged, and this says judge the same way. I mean, I, I don't want to go off. I mean, I told you I would go soapbox, so like I won't, I won't bash Facebook. But like, do you see what Christians put on Facebook? Like, like how do you want to be judged? I want to be judged with grace. It's crazy to me. The stuff that, people, that, that Christians put on Facebook about what we should do to ISIS and Muslims and gay people. and all. It's just crazy. Man, judge the way you want to be judged. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there was a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Listen, God has ordained that the church would be his voice of truth in culture. And man, if there's ever a day that needs truth, it's today, right? But what he ordained was before we'd ever open our mouth to speak, that we would take care of this humongous plank that we have hanging out of our eye. I can tell you right now, go to, go to work tomorrow. Tell, tell, tell the people you work with. So like, I learned something about you. You're bonding everywhere, baby. What's wrong with you? And they'll say, oh, you go to church. Well, yeah, I go to church. My preacher's all over yesterday. What do you think about that? And here's what they'll say. Like, you divorce as fast as we do, right? That's what they'll say. They'll, they'll point at our track record. And the track record, and I told you, there was one of the words, right? Don't be shamed, right? Because your past is not more powerful than your future, okay? But they look at that, and they use it to discount us. And so how we live from this moment forward, if you've been divorced 28 times, First of all, I hope you're getting lots of great payments from ex-husbands. But if you've been divorced that many times, so what? It's what happens today going forward, right? Man, I want us to live from this point forward as plank-free as possible so that we can see clearly to help our culture. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the promise of the cross. If we want to raise personal holiness so we can lower public hypocrisy, it starts with children that are loved by their father asking him to forgive them for cheapening his purposes and thanking him that he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9 is such a great verse. If, you're, if you ask God to forgive you, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all. Everybody say all. All unrighteousness. How awesome is that? All unrighteousness. You know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, when Wendy and I got married, you know, like I... I could do the whole religious thing, and, and I could just say, I was a virgin when I got married. And technically, that would be true. But dang, if I didn't do everything else. So my heart wasn't pure, and I was in church. And people that knew me, the girlfriend I was with before, like if she heard me say that, she'd go, what, what are you smoking? See how like, they're so quick to nullify what we're saying because of what we've done. And what I'm saying to you is, instead of hiding that, 
the best thing to do, what Jesus just said is, man, say, I got a plank here and I need some help. And the grace of God, that's what the cross, the cross is all about, getting rid of that plank. So that you don't walk around with shame. Aren't you so glad? I'm so glad for Psalm 3.3, like he is the lifter of our heads. And so this whole month, you're safe here. You're protected here. You're safe in this place. You're safe to say to God, man, I blew it. If I could go back, I would change it. But we can't go back because portals only happen once upon a time on TV, right? They don't happen in real life. We can't go back. But man, we can start today, right? Today. Some of you, you need to spend some time just saying to God, look, I'm sorry. I've messed this up. Some of you, you're hearing this and you're like, man, I am more committed than I've ever been before. I'm waiting. I'm going to, from this point forward, man, I'm going to be I'm as pure as I can be because I don't want to be bonding with anybody. Saving my oxytocin, right? 19-second hugs for me, baby. <laughs> so here's how we're going we're gonna to end this because I've gone way too long. I'm so sorry. Um, we're going to end it like this. Today, we, need to, we just need to spend some time in the presence of God repenting, okay? Um, you don't have to weep out loud, cry, yell, scream. Um, we're going to take communion. And so it's the perfect time for us just to spend some time reflecting um, just on, on kind of where we are. Maybe you are in a place where, you know, I've asked God to forgive me before, but just hearing you talk, I'm just even more committed to that. Just spend some time with him. We're going to celebrate what he did at the cross through communion. But what did he do at the cross, really? He gave us plank removal, right? Like he said, I can take care of that plank. I can take care of it. And he can take care of regret and shame and all that stuff. And there's something about the cross. The power of the cross is he takes all the things that should shame us from ever doing anything for him. And he says, I'll use you anyway. Because I'm redeeming you. I'm changing you. You're not the same person that you were back then. I am not the same person that totally messed up telling my girlfriend that Jesus saved me. <laughs> Like, that's not the preferred method of evangelism, right? I'm not the same person. I'm different. So we're going to watch, the, there's a video that's going to play. It's a music video from a group called Hillsong. It's a song called Anchor. Um, it just talks about the power of the cross. And just as, as that plays, just spend some time with, with Jesus. And then whenever you're ready, um, Tyler's here. Nehemiah's me in the back. I'll be right over here. You just make your way up and, and take communion with us. Listen, when you take communion, don't be like, I can't get much of Jesus. Man, get all the juice you want. Pull that bread off. Get your big old chunk, okay? And then dip it in the juice. And I'm just praying as you take communion that you just you experience what the song sings about, just the hope and the power in the cross. And when you're ready, you come.